Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals, team player coaching props, even their live betting app on the site, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, it's the preview pod for week nine. Bears versus Titans. A lot versus to, um, COVID. Yeah, versus COVID. Versus <laughs> no practicing. Versus the offensive lineman that they're picking up off of the streets of the 7-Eleven at your corner store. Cameron, let's get it on. Maybe. Are we going to? We're trying to decide whether or not we're going to do this. Let's timestamp this real quick. It is Thursday, 1247 Pacific Time, 247 Central Time when we are recording. As of right now, the Bears are not practicing today. They are not in the facility. They're doing all their meetings virtually via Zoom. After Jason Spriggs tested positive for COVID, Jermaine Effetti, the left guard, I'm sorry, the right guard also put on the COVID reserve list. And then today, an unknown Bears player also has tested positive. I think it's fair to say that the game might be a little bit in question right now. That is not our job to figure out whether they're going to play or not. Our job is to figure out whether the Bears can win in week nine. But that's where we stand at this moment. Bears are not practicing right now. And maybe, Cameron, I want to get to the Mitch Trubisky news. But let's just start with the fact that offensive linemen, they are just, I mean, you know, sometimes you know, in a positive way, offensive linemen are falling off of trees. But this one is uh, they're just, it's just falling apart. It's disintegrating before our very eyes with a unit that wasn't very good to begin with. Yeah. I feel, yeah. We, we talk about it a lot. We talk about the offensive line. We've, uh, we've made points that they need to shore up their depth and there have been opportunities to do that. And the bears have not done that. And man, it, it, it when it rains, it pours. And this team is in a bad way when it comes to the offensive line. I think it's going to be very hard uh, to, to see much, production on the offensive side right now when this group that wasn't great to start with is this banged up there's always that irony too when the bears were i think five and one you know you always hear that little side drop by the announcers of the bears one of the healthiest football teams the nfl right now you never like to hear that because you know eventually it's going to catch up to you and it's just the injuries have just been focused in this one area on the field and this just so happens to be your expertise and Cameron, once you get down to the fourth, fifth, sixth string guys, as a head coaching staff and as an offense, you know, what is the general mindset? Is it just keep it simple, stupid? Is it, hey, we got to band together and stick together and make this a group effort? You know, what is the mantra when you're down to, you know, your fourth, fifth string guys across your entire offensive line? Charles Lennel right now is the only guy in theory who started the season on the Bears offensive line. You know, you don't want to dumb things down too much. You have to assume that this team's still going to be able to go out there and execute their offense and run their plays. They can't just they can't just dial it back so much that they're no longer doing anything from an offensive standpoint. But you you also have to account for those guys that are being in there that are in this tough situation because it is a very tough situation to get thrown in and try and make things work. So you know, you kind of got to you kind of need to find that happy medium between keeping it simple, but also, hey, you know, you're here for a reason. We pay you a lot of money for a reason, and that reason is to be able to execute these plays. And 
I, I don't want to see them go too dialed back, it, but I also don't want to see them be too elaborate. You know, you kind of got to find that that space where it just makes sense. And that may just be a matter of, hey, going through some of the script this week during practice, if they get to practice on days like today, and, you know, seeing what's working, seeing what the offense is comfortable with, seeing what sort of concepts that seems to be, uh, you know, well grasped and just, I guess, their bread and butter, if you will. And maybe you just dial back the script just a little bit. Um, but I think that may be what you need to be moving forward. A Bears fan might ask, is there anything at all to players like a Lachavius Simmons who's coming in, the Chave, as we've nicknamed him, a guy like him who's been on the practice squad, been waiting for his opportunity all season, finally gets it. Of course, we can talk all you want about a talent gap because he wasn't on the active roster all year. But a guy like that, he's getting his opportunity this Sunday. There's going to be other guys as well. You know, they're hoping Cody Whitehair comes back. But if it not, you know, Mustafa's, you know, he's banged up too as well. There's multiple guys that are going to get their opportunity to show what they can do in the NFL. Do you think sometimes... I mean, it's an intangible, but can that give them maybe a little bit of that extra pop, maybe a little bit more pep in the step, maybe a little bit more punch to their drives? Or is, I mean, is the NFL such a talent game that, you know, maybe that little extra won't do, it, do you any good? I'd like to say this much. First of all, don't just assume that anyone that's coming off of the practice squad is not a solid player and doesn't, you know, will never belong. I've, I've been there. And granted that I'm currently doing a podcast, maybe this is counter- intuitive to my point <laughs> you're doing a podcast today man i don't know what's going to happen in two or three weeks buddy <laughs> <laughs> that's true um so just just go ahead and say that these guys that are on the practice squad they're there for that were on the practice squad were there for a reason but they're also qualified in every sense uh to be there as far as like hey are they going to be able to come in and just be starter quality you know that i don't know um because that stuff just takes time and reps it's not so much that these guys don't have what it takes to, to get out there and play it's unrealistic to say, hey, can these guys come in and play at the same level as our starters? Um, but, you know, I don't – if an offensive line is operating correctly, you shouldn't notice them. Uh, we've noticed our offensive line quite a bit as of late. You know, I think that the bar's not real high uh, in terms of what people are going to be expecting for this group. If they can come in and just match that, <laughs> you know, if they can come in and just – just sustain and give them an opportunity. That's really all you can ask in this position. It's not that they come out and, and dominate the line of scrimmage and beat up on a beat up on a Titans defense and they rush for 200 plus yards. Like that's, that's crazy. No, we're not asking that, but if they can come out and sustain and give the bears a chance to win the game, you know, that, that's all you can ask. And they're getting an opportunity. And look, man, when we first started doing this pod together, you know, you're a former offensive lineman in the NFL I think we were like really banking on and hoping to be able to talk about a lot of different aspects of the team, which we have this season, but the offensive line has just become such a focal point because it was terrible last year in training camp. They were pumping them up. They're building them up. And I think both of us can agree through those first two games. I think we in general liked what we saw. They put up 130 rushing yards in those first two games. And I think we thought that this unit could be trending in the right direction. Now, poor play penalties, um, lack of discipline and now injuries have completely changed the complexion and what has really happened is this offensive line now is as much of a key factor to the Bears lack of success on offense as it is the quarterback it's as hand as hand, hand in hand as it ever has been and it's just going to be something that they're going to have to batten down the hatches and pull together and just see what they can do I mean quick passing game you know 
what would you what would you do from a game plan perspective with a group, a ragtag group of guys playing out there for the first time? Is this a situation where you think maybe on those first few drives, quick two-step throws, get some confidence, get some completions, get everyone kind of feeling good about each other, not making them, you know, have to hold the fort down for longer than 2.4 seconds. From an offensive game plan, how would you kind of attack it with, you know, such a, a duct tape together unit? The most important thing is that they're able to get Nick Foles confident back there because we saw even when, you know, I guess with a better group of offensive linemen in terms of their starters, uh, when this group is having a little bit more success and winning games earlier on in the season, Nick Foles still hasn't looked particularly confident. He doesn't look like he wants to stand in the pocket. He doesn't look like he wants to take shots to the face, uh, which you can't blame him for. So, I would say that the most important thing is that they go out there and do make some of these easy plays, these easy throws, and get him some confidence early on. So you're right. We don't want to have to make Nick Foles do a seven-step drop and make this offensive line protect for four, five, six seconds. That's just not going to be to anyone's benefit. So I think you're right when you say that you got to come out and just hopefully you can find a running game, although that that part is, you know, seems unlikely at this point. And you got to find maybe that short passing game and give this group some confidence. But I, I would not just come out and say, hey, we're just going to throw the ball downfield and we're going to take big chances and we're going to put it in the hands of our offensive line because that, uh, you know, with that group, that's probably not probably not the, the best way to go. Last piece of news and notes before we get to Cam's keys to a Bears victory in week nine. This one kind of came out of nowhere. Mitch Trubisky on the injury report, right shoulder injury, doesn't take much to know how it happened. He only played one play last week against the Saints. It was an RPO that was a short field uh, rush attempt by him that was tackled. Looked like the guy was able to kind of bear hug him from behind. He said he landed on his right shoulder weird. Ian Rappaport reporting on Twitter that he, Mr. Trubisky, is in Los Angeles right now seeing a specialist trying to find out whether surgery is necessary. I mean, it just sucks, Cameron. It just it's it sucks. Mr. Trubisky. He thought he had the season from hell last year. It's getting even worse for him this year. I just want to ask you, because last week I think we were both in agreement. I probably liked it a lot more than you did. But I liked the fact that they tried to incorporate Mitch Trubisky into the offense. I wasn't saying that turn him into a, you know, a running back or a wide receiver or even Taysom Hill, but two or three plays a game. I thought, hey, it couldn't hurt. If you want to do some misdirection, if you want to give a team a different look, why not go out there? He gets hurt on the very first play. Are you still on board with them trying to utilize him in that game? It was a risk, and obviously they got burned. I'm on board with what they were trying to do. I mean, we can't speak. You know, hindsight's 2020 on this. I did, no one knew he was going to get hurt. That's a risk that you take. But I think that if they are able to create a little bit of more excitement in their offense and generate some more lanes in the running game, then absolutely. I have no problem with that. And so, obviously, you know, you lost your backup quarterback and – in most situations, it's not really a huge deal to lose your backup quarterback. Unfortunately, in the Bears situation where we're not really sure who is the uh, who should be the starter and who should be the backup, I guess it's uh, it's a little bit more damning. But yeah, I'm all for it. You know, that was I don't think that was a bad move. I don't think that Matt Nagy probably regrets it by any means. It's just unfortunate that it happened on the one play when we've that we've seen him on the field in four weeks or five weeks. And it's the third shoulder injury of Mitch Trubisky's career. The second time it's happening to the right one. Last year was the left labrum. And it's just unfortunate. You got to feel for the guy. As much as you want to, like, hate Mitch Trubisky's play on the field, you never want to see a guy get hurt. You especially don't want to see a guy who is sitting on the sidelines hoping 
that there might be some sort of opportunity, whether it's either through production or Nick Foles injury, that he might be able to get it back on the field and show Bears fans and the rest of the NFL because he's not going to be, I don't think, on the Bears next year what he can do. And now the fact that he might be looking at surgery. Cameron, are you ready to do 35 minutes on Tyler Bray? <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Bray is a nice guy. <laughs> and, that's, and that's it. And that's pretty much where it stops. Well, Cameron, let's roll it forward. Let's look at this week nine matchup because the Bears are five and three right now. They're about to play a Titans team that is five and two that just lost last week to the Cincinnati Bengals. A bit of a surprise for a lot of people. I'm sure a lot of Titans fans too as well. So both of these teams looking to kind of get off the schneid, get back into the win column. At first blush, what do you what do you see when you look at this Tennessee Titans team? When I look at the Titans, I see a dangerous group. I see a team that I would not be super eager to play. Um, you know, it's one of these things where when you play a team that recently kind of got their, you know, embarrassed, if you will, to, 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 to lose to the Bengals is an embarrassment for a team like the Titans. I think that they can be dangerous. Uh, that team will probably look to, to come back and reestablish themselves and, you know, have a lot to prove. So, and obviously the week before, um, you know, when you lose to the, the Steelers, that's, that's one thing. And then coming out and losing to the Bengals, I, this is a tough group. Everyone knows Derrick Henry. Everyone knows, um, you know, about kind of the Titans reputation. And this is a tough football team. I think this is going to be a tough matchup and uh, someone that the, that the Bears need to be concerned about. This matchup has scared me all season long, and now that it's here and where the Bears are currently at this time, it looks even worse going into it. And I'm right there with you two weeks ago after Mike Tomlin and the Steelers beat the Titans. Mike Tomlin, who doesn't normally hand out compliments left and right, said, you know, hey, I got to give it up to this Titans team. They're a disciplined, well-coached team with talent up and down the roster, and that's kind of all you really need to know to give them a little bit of credibility. I get it. They lost to the Bengals last week. but now you have to think that this team is pissed off and doesn't just want to get back on track with a victory, but wants to get back on track in a big, big way. And we're a vulnerable bears team right now. The whole thing, the mix sucks. And as much as I want to say this season has been so hard to figure out with the highs and the lows, the comebacks, the miracles, the disappointments, the trading of the quarterback position that the bears can maybe surprise the Titans on Sunday. I really think it's going to be, an effort that's just going to take a lot of maybe unconventional things to perhaps get the Bears into the win column in week nine. Unconventional is right. I, it may not even be enough. There may need to be more than unconventional. It may take a lot of luck. Just, just when you look at it, I mean, there's just a lot of things for the Bears that are right now. They weren't going right. And then you throw in all of these bizarre external factors. And, you know, I just think this could be a really tough matchup. I do too, and I do think that Matt Nagy is at least going to get the team ready to play. I do think they are going to probably give a solid effort in this game, but let's just try and wrap our heads around this, Cameron, because Bears fans, at the end of the day, we still want to come up with and conjure a way that the Bears could possibly win this game. So let's get into our Cam's keys. Three keys that could possibly help us win against the Titans in Week 9. What would be your first key that would be crucial for the Bears' success this week? What's crucial for the Bears' success is obviously you always want to take pressure off the quarterback, but in doing so this week, they need to do something unique. They need to take the pressure off the offensive line to take the pressure off the quarterback. They need to keep it simple for them. They need to uh, reduce some of those high-pressure you know, stakes for the offensive line. I would say, like you mentioned earlier in this pod, we need to keep it uh, 
to the quick passing game. We need to uh, exploit any sort of play action, any sort of opportunities to keep this defense guessing. And we don't want to put too much pressure on this incredibly uh, green offensive line, if you will. It's interesting where the matchup is actually fairly favorable. I mean, you think of a Titans defense last year, they were actually an, an intimidating group, but right now they only have seven sacks on the season. They just cut Vic Beasley based on production. No more, no less. Dude wasn't getting it done. Get on out of here. They gave Jadavian Clowney a ton of money. Obviously, you want to worry about him because he's a big name in the NFL, but he just really hasn't done a whole lot this year. The Titans' you know, defensive line has just not gotten a ton of pressure, so this could be an opportunity to maybe build a little bit of confidence and get a little bit of continuity with a very you know green group, as you just mentioned early on in the game, and maybe they can hold the fort. My first key to the game, and it's in tandem with what you're talking about, is I just want, I'm just looking at that tight end group, to be honest with you, because I think we're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of heavy sets in the offensive line to help out those young guys that are stepping in for the first time. And I think that this is where the play calling is going to be so crucial, where we need to pick our right spots and hit our buttons. You know, if we're going to have, you know, if we're going to have two tight ends on there, you know, giving the help when they want to, but also being creative and how, you know, Jimmy Graham chipping and maybe like getting out for a quick pass catching the ball like that. I think Cole Komet in this game is we've been talking about it for weeks. Matt Nagy's been talking about it for weeks. He flashes him for a little bit. It doesn't happen. And then I think this is where you really just need to utilize youth and speed and a guy with athleticism to keep this Titans defense guessing just a little bit where on some plays, sure, he's staying in the box and he's helping out, but on other plays, he's getting out a little bit and trying to burn those linebackers. And I think that could be a huge help for Nick Foles it can really cut down the time that he has to stand behind the pocket and deliver the ball. I'm just looking at that tight end position. They got to play, I think, their best game of the year. Even if it's not in the box score, I just think they have to do so many different things well on Sunday to give us a chance. Definitely. We, we continue to ask for it and to see more of the Cole Komet. Uh, Jimmy Graham has been a pleasant surprise. They continue to try and force feed Demetrius Harris balls. Uh, yeah, I think that you mentioned it, obviously getting more tight ends involved, helping out in protection. It's going to be a huge part of this game. And so you may not see it in terms of, uh, you know, I guess production in the passing game, but it's just there's going to be elements to this game where those tight ends are able to make a huge contribution. And I think I think you're hitting, uh, hitting the nail right on the head with that. The second thing that I would say as far as my keys to the game, um, I want to see this team attack the secondary. I think that it's a, it's a vulnerable secondary. Um, in Tennessee and although they don't have that offensive line uh and the ability to protect that we're wanting you know when those opportunities do come up we're gonna need to see this group be able to throw the ball downfield and we saw a little bit more of that last week and I think that this is a group that they can do it against you know you mentioned only the seven sacks so let's hope that this group can protect just enough throw the ball downfield let's see Nick Foles put that arm on display Get these guys going, and, you know, I like the matchups. I like the matchups all across it, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller, whoever it may be. Like, let's let's get these guys involved. Let's get them um, breaking out and having, and having big games. Yeah, the Titans secondary is so bad. I mean, they had to put Jonathan Joseph on the street, and they brought in Desmond King via trade. Now, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to suit up in week nine to start. If he doesn't, that's actually probably a plus for the Bears. And I'm right there with you. I mean, this Titans defense, you know, let's take a look at it, and this is going to go into my second key, too, as well. My second key is Anthony Miller, which is pretty much the exact same thing you were saying. Anthony Miller had eight catches for 73 yards last week. He was featured early, featured consistently throughout. Everyone knows you got to get 
your eyeballs on Allen Robinson and try and stop him. But that's why the other side of the field is going to be so important. I think Darnell Mooney has a role carved out for himself at this point. It's almost crazy to say, but our, what, our fifth-round rookie wide receiver has a consistency that I can kind of hang my hat on already at this point in the season. It's Anthony Miller that I'm looking at. And the Titans this year, they have allowed 10 different wide receivers to, for, to get at least 60-plus receiving yards against them. And that goes right into my secondary wide receiver category. 12 different wide receivers have gotten over 10 fantasy points against them. That means they're catching touchdowns. You know, they've allowed multiple touchdowns to six of the last seven quarterbacks they have faced. They're allowing an average of 284 passing yards over the last six games. They've allowed seven rushing touchdowns this season. I mean, there's a lot to be had here with this Titans defense, which is massively underperformed. And I'm, and I'm with you. I think that there are ways to take advantage of a situation. You just have to be smart and allow yourself the time to make that happen. And I'm also curious to see if you're a Titans defense, you're struggling. You don't have a lot of sacks. You're looking at this offensive line right now. Would you guess and wager that maybe they'd be more of a blitzing team on Sunday and really trying to bring the house and shut things down, overwhelm a very you know fresh green unit? Or do you think maybe they just try and hang back a little bit and just sort of you know let it all play itself out man-to-man style? I think that if I'm the Titans, I would dial it up. That's the thing that, uh, that a rookie or at least a young group is most, uh, most vulnerable to. We saw it even a little bit as like Shad Coward, who, is, uh, who we mentioned, you know, some of the games that weren't being picked up um, last week. And that, that's not a guy that's even a rookie by any means. And it's not even a guy that's getting thrown into like his first start. Um, you just see like pressure when even if it's just games or, or blitzes or whatever it may be, just that pressure, that element that just puts that little extra amount of worry and concern and makes it so much harder for an offensive lineman. That's the thing that a, a young guy has to be ready to do is to, is to think the game. And uh, I, that's what I would want to do is just go out there, dial it up, see what sort of uh, chaos you can create. And um, that's, I think, probably the best bet as far as getting help. And a follow-up question to that, I've been kind of thinking about this, and maybe this is I, – I want to hear what you would think from a coaching perspective and maybe what your preference would have been from a playing perspective. We've talked a lot about Nick Foles, and the transfer over to him becoming starting quarterback means we're going to see him a lot in shotgun. And now we're just trying to construct ways to give that offensive line as much help as we possibly can in Week 9. One thing that they did last year, which I feel like worked at times, was they would bring in a Jesper Horstead or a J.P. Holtz and kind of line him up at fullback and go I formation under center. In your opinion, Nick Foles and shotgun with a young offensive line, would you probably prefer a situation where he was under center with maybe bringing that full pack fullback in if you are going to go heavy set? Or if he's in shotgun, it doesn't really matter to you. Your technique is still the same no matter what happens. The technique's not going to change for the offensive lineman. Uh, I mean, he's obviously going to have to set, you know, the – whether he's in the gun or under center, the quarterback has to get to the same launch point, you know, that, and that much is known at the start of the prior to the start of the play by the offensive line anyway. So it won't matter if it's a three-step drop or a seven-step drop or whatever. Um, you know, that protection element isn't going to change. But what can happen is obviously the the addition of that fullback. If his presence can help Nick Foles feel more confident, just knowing, hey, there's one extra big body. Uh, to stand here to to help protect to keep me safe that I think can be an added bonus but as far as like a technique standpoint like I don't that won't change much but just having that extra body in there I think if it's just a security blanket I think could go a long way 
Cameron, what's your third key to a Bears victory in week nine against the Titans? The one that everyone knows on this team is always Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry gets all the, the reputation and the accolades as he should. He is my size and probably your speed. <laughs> and averaging 110.7 rushing yards this season and has eight okay, touchdowns in his last five games. Okay, he's bigger than me probably, and he's probably faster than you. That, that was a joke. That was a bad joke. But anyway, uh, he's the one that we all know. But this team has some offensive weapons that, you know, need to be accounted for. Uh, so I think that the big matchup is going to be winning uh, our, our secondary. You know, um, they don't come out and just hit you with these home run r- runs early on in the game. It just kind of builds and builds and builds. Teams get into trouble when as that is prog- that progression is happening in the ground game, that they lose track of play action and they get beat over the top. So, you know, I think that that run success is ultimately inevitable. I don't, you know, like that's one of the things like when you talk about the Bears, you talk about the defensive line or their, their defense being good. And when you talk about the Titans, you talk about their running game being good. Pencil that in, that's going to happen. Um, but what they can't afford to do is give up both. They can't give up the, the big plays downfield for the passing game and they can't afford to also give up the run game. I say that run's going to happen. Don't get beat over the top. Don't let Corey Davis and A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith and these types of players um, be able to make big plays. And so I say contain them. If they're able to uh, hold that that uh, passing game in check, Ryan Tannehill is a is a, actually been a, a solid quarterback these last two seasons in Tennessee and uh, can make thing makes things happen. So if they are able to put our secondary step up and um, you know kind of control the game, I think that that would give them a solid chance. Yeah, John Smith already has five touchdowns on the season. He's already kind of been that red zone threat that Jimmy Graham has been for us this season. We got to keep an eye on that. I want to ask you a follow up on AJ Brown. Came on big time last year in the second half, put up some huge stats. The stats don't exactly reflect that exact same, um, you know, output and production. He did have an injury at the beginning of the season, but I still see him averaging 7.8 targets a game. What do you see when you watch him on tape? Because to me, he almost seems like the perfect blend of like power and speed. Like the dude has no problem hitting people and he has no problem taking it to the house. Yeah. AJ Brown is a big physical receiver and he's, he does have that, that quick twitch he's very fast very explosive he is uh yeah that uh, you hit it it's a really nice blend of power and speed i love the physicality in his route running i like his ability to uh to create separation but obviously his ability to, to burn uh someone and make someone uh obviously miss and get get into space and just i think that's awesome and he's he's definitely a big a big play threat whether the numbers indicate that or not yeah you're definitely gonna have to count for him especially between the 20s Cameron, my third key to the game, we've used it before. We have to keep using it again because this just turns into an integral part of the game over and over and over again. I'm just talking third downs. You know, when we were, uh, what was it, against the Panthers, I think we were about 50% on our third down conversions. Guess what? We won the game. The last two games that we have lost, Cameron, we are 9 of 29 on third down. That is 31% conversion rate. That would be near the bottom of the NFL. It's not going to cut it. We have to get a lot better in that area. Want some good news? Guess who's the worst at stopping third downs this season? The Tennessee Titans. They're allowing 61% of opponents to convert on third down. Something's got to give there, Cameron. I would like to think that we could perhaps keep a few drives going, maybe get a couple points, maybe a couple field goals on the board early in the game. Stem the tide a little bit. Get yourself into the rhythm of the game. Feel like that you're actually really competing in this game in that first half. 
and I'm looking at that third down marker. Also, on the other side of the football, we talk a lot about the Bears being the best team in the NFL at preventing opponents from converting on third down. Ryan Tannehill only completing 56% of his passes on third down. You know, obviously, if you look across the NFL, no one's going to be in the 70s in that category. Third down's a hard down to convert, but still 56%. I kind of like those totals trending that way where the Bears can at least keep the Titans off the field at times, give the Bears a shot to try and move the chance on offense. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but even on those third down situations, those third and eights, I do think it's a more favorable matchup this week than it has been in past weeks for the Bears to get that done and convert, and hopefully they can convert that into points. I was trying to think really hard about what I could say insightful to that, and that's what came out because you're right. That's it. You got it. We're going to get into our prediction game here. I want to hear what your stat line is for Nick Foles in week nine. What are you thinking? Woo! Nick, my guy. I got Nick going for 240 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, that's a really good game for Nick Foles. He does keep his, his interception streak alive uh, in your scenario here. Going a little bit lower. Going 234, one touchdown, two picks. I'm starting to – it's one of those situations where if you ever, like, as a kid, you ever, like, saw a commercial for a toy that looks incredible and it just looks like, wow, like, it can shoot Nerf arrows 55 yards and it can light up and that light can shine for 100 yards. I'm starting to sort of feel like that's what was sort of sold to us with Nick Foles, is like he won a Super Bowl. He comes in and he owns the room. He's accurate. He can hit the deep ball. He can do all this stuff, and you're like, okay, well, obviously he's not a starter. He's not above average, but if he can do those things, I can live with that because that's competent football, and that's all Bears fans are asking for. And I have to be honest, I'm not really liking what I'm seeing on the film in terms of mechanics. I'm not liking really what I'm seeing. I think his decision-making is regressing. I think his accuracy has been mixed at best. For, so for a veteran quarterback, I do not give that a very high grade. And I'm just starting to get to the point a little bit of starting to realize you get that toy on Christmas, and then, like, the Nerf arrow shoots five feet. And, and the toy breaks after, like, the first week. Why did we all like just kind of forget the fact that like when he came in and granted he played awesome in Philadelphia, but he came into like a Super Bowl infrastructure. That team was like phenomenal. And then we just like ignore the year in Jacksonville. I mean, I just, what, what did we expect? I have a, I have a hard time with the year in Jacksonville because if you break your collarbone after the first game, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around okay. him, him coming back with Gardner Minshew and them being like, I'd rather see what I have with Minshew than I have with Nick Foles to finish the I, year. I, can I get that. My but, head around that. I get that. But like, what did you, you think he was just going to come back and be better? You thought he was just going to come back another year older and after injury and a new situation with a team that offensively is not very good and just be better. That doesn't make sense. And that's the part that I'm really having a hard time coming to grips with is that it was sold to us. Nick Foles was the safe choice. The least risky choice was going out and getting a guy like Nick Foles who had been in Nagy's system, who knows Filippo, who's accurate, who's bland. He's not overly exciting, but he gets the job done. He's won a Super Bowl. That's what was sold to Bears fans. 
And you're just looking around, and I think a lot of people now are asking themselves the question, you know, what would our team look like with Andy Dalton? What would our team look like with Phillip Rivers? What would our team look like with Cam Newton? And I have to say that the reason why we talked ourselves off of all those quarterbacks were we were able to diagnose risks that we didn't really want to take with this Bears team. But I just, for the life of me right now, you can't tell me that Phillip Rivers wouldn't be better on this Bears team than Nick Foles. You just can't tell me that. I feel it feels like we took vanilla pudding and we spliced in some tapioca. So basically, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a little better, but it's still not like it's Cameron, not chocolate. what's your secret ingredient? Is that tapioca? Not, that's what they did, man. This isn't chocolate pudding. This isn't, uh, you know, the, the, there's no swirls. This isn't like fun. There's not butterscotch. There's no caramel. It's just tapioca pudding, man. You can't it's, tell it's, me right now that Jameis Winston on this team. Yeah, honestly. And, and it also leads back to we are now beginning to realize that we got burned because we didn't want to hurt Mitch Trubisky's feelings or, a.k.a., you know, kind of side subtle shot. We didn't want to hurt Ryan Pace's feelings by bringing in someone that could actually be a competent quarterback in the NFL, someone with a track record of longtime starter success, because that obviously from the get-go would say that Mr. Bisky would not be our starter moving forward. We played that game. Well, like, Hey, let's bring someone in and compete and let the best man win. And maybe Mitch can rise to the challenge and all that stuff. Well, we played that game. We're getting burned. And now we're just, you know, we're lying in the bed that we made. It's just, uh, this is really conservative, passive, you know, safe, safe, I guess, uh, team, team building, if you will. And it's, it's boring and we're yeah. bored. Yeah. And it's also funny that, you know, Mitch Trubisky gets hurt on Sunday. You know, that he's hurt, you know, it could be a problem. There's a trade deadline on Tuesday and you don't do anything, but I digress. Cameron, it's time. Final score prediction for bears versus Titans week nine. What do you got? You are six and two on the season. I am five and three with my picks. What are you going with? I didn't score a lot of points. The Bears are a pretty solid defense. If the Bears want to have any chance at all to win this game, their defense is going to have to be great. They're going to have to score points. Um, but I just don't know that I that I see it. I got the Titans 20, let's say 26, Bears 17. I got Bears – I'm sorry, I got Titans 27, Bears 20. And – I'm right there with you. It seems like we're not that far away. My thought process with this is I think the defense comes out and gives a very admirable effort. I think this first half could actually be pretty close. It could be like a 10 to six situation. It could be a 13 to six situation, but the thing that scares me the most is not only are the Titans with Derrick Henry, perhaps going to be able to extend drives on the ground which is going to further deplete the energy of a defense. I'm just really worried that after two or three, three and outs from a Bears offense, the defense on the other side is going to look a lot like what happened last season where by that third quarter, they got their hands on their hips and they're absolutely gassed and as talented as they are and as accomplished and capable as they are, eventually it can kind of sort of get away from them a little bit. I'm saying 27-20 because I do see a scenario where like always, that fourth quarter comes around. Maybe we're down 27 to 10, down 27, 13. We make this comeback. We make it close. I do see a scenario where we can have the ball in our hands in the fourth quarter with a possible chance to tie the game. I just think this is a bad timing. This is a bad matchup. This is a Titans team that went to an AFC championship game last year. Granted, they are not where they were 
at that point right now, but still up and down coaching the quarterback, the weapons on offense. I just think that they have enough and they have enough together right now that the Bears are just going to have a really hard time to withstand it. I think the Bears lose this game. And then after this week, I think it's look in the mirror time. Nagy becomes, you know, he gives away play calling duties. We just reset and just try and get the season back on track from there. Because then after that point, you got seven games to figure out whether you're a playoff team or not. Yeah, we talked about it, how this is the biggest stretch of the season, and the Bears needed to win two of this stretch, and they've lost two already. So uh, this is the final game of that, of that little hell, if you will, in the middle of the Bears' schedule. And it hasn't gone great, and hopefully they can get things back on track here. But this is, is kind of a tipping point, I think. Uh, and, for our, bar- our barometer for the bear season. And, and before we get out of here real quick, let's just flip it to the other side because I, you know, we're making our predictions based on what we're seeing and the analysis that we've been absorbing throughout the entire season. And look, I would love nothing more to be wrong. I would love to be reverse jinxed out of this situation, but taking out like the specifics of the manner and how they do it, what do you think it would do to this bears team if they actually could scratch out a win in week nine with everything that's going on, they're not in the facility today. Their backup quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, is hurt. They're under their seventh and eighth offensive lineman. Everyone is counting them out. They're five and a half point underdogs. What if they scratch out a victory? I'm not saying that it's like a, a season saver or a season changer, but what do you think it could do to a locker room just to show, like, hey, you know, we've <laughs> the boat is sinking and we can still figure out a way to get out of it? What do you think it could do for this team? Obviously, a big win against uh, unfair circumstances or, I guess, unfortunate circumstances can galvanize the locker room and hopefully create momentum moving forward. Sitting at 6-3 and three through nine games is obviously a great position. And, you know, heading um, – they'll have the, the Vikings next week and they'd be looking at a bye week after that. It could obviously um, put them in a really good position and kind of get some great mo- momentum moving forward. I think that's, you know, best case scenario is you find a way to scratch one, scratch out a win here and, you know, feel confident about uh, about playing a divisional opponent in a game that you think that you can win and then head into that bye week. So obviously, like, there's just a big sense of relief if you're able to pull one out in these particular circumstances. The team's been hit with a lot of adversity and that confidence can be huge moving forward. And it's one of those things, too, where micro, macro, at the time, like, Let's say, whatever, we win 13 to 10, and it's the ugliest, most boring game that you've ever watched, but we get a victory out of it. And we're still walking out of the game with tons of questions. It still will be one of those moments, though, where if we look back in the offseason six or seven months from now and look back on it, hopefully the Bears do go to the playoffs. This stretch that you're talking about, you know, they've lost their last two. We looked at this one. We knew this was the toughest part of their schedule. And if they scratch it out, great. You lost two or three of those. It hurts in the moment, doesn't look great, but maybe when you look back on it, you're like, wow, that moment was just so important to the Bears' season to be able to figure it out. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but also at the same time, if we're going to talk about how tough this matchup is, we would be wrong not to acknowledge that if they do pull this out, not that it's going to change everything and send them to the Super Bowl, but really can just kind of prove maybe inside Hallis Hall that this team can get through any kind of adversity, whether it's on the field or off the field. Definitely. Uh, winning this game would be huge for the team's confidence. I think you know, inside that locker room, they have no doubt that they can win. They're not worried about this sort of thing. It would only reaffirm it. And so I, you know, that, that's great. That, re- that affirmation that's going to give them those confidence moving forward and, 
and sort of maybe take them to that next step. You know, right now they're kind of in the place where no one believes in us. We believe in ourselves. No one believes in us. And maybe that gets you just one, one notch higher in, 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 that, in terms of that confidence. And maybe you come out and play a little bit better. Um, yeah, but I, I, obviously winning this one would, would be huge and do a ton for the team. Would be Cameron, Bears versus Titans, week nine. As of right now, we're not totally sure that they're going to play. Of course, we hope that they're going to play because we're Bears fans and we love the NFL and we love watching our team. But until then, Cameron... Take us home on another great pod. We're going to see you guys back after the game, hopefully on Sunday. You guys have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you check out our post-game show when we wrap up, hopefully Sunday evening after this Bears-Titans matchup. Make sure you check us out and uh, like and subscribe to the shows on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this. And remember to always bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.